This is the Aspen Public Radio newscast. I'm your host, Caroline Yanez, in for Eleanor Bennett, here with your top stories of the day. The Roaring Fork School District's Wellness Committee is meeting today to discuss the 3R Health Curriculum. It stands for Rights, Respect, and Responsibility, and the kindergarten through 12th grade lessons do cover sex ed. While schools are not forced to use it, they can invite school nurses and health clinicians into their classrooms to teach the curriculum. The gender-inclusive lesson plans were approved for district use last spring, though some parents felt the topics were inappropriate. School district officials have since pared down the prioritized lesson plans and begun implementing the curriculum in schools on a trial basis. Tonight's meeting will give the community a chance to comment on the rollout so far. It'll take place from 5 to 6.30 p.m. tonight at the Carbondale District Office. Colorado Parks and Wildlife reintroduced wolves to Colorado in December. That's after Colorado voters passed a resolution in 2020 forcing CPW to develop a wolf reintroduction plan and have wolves on the ground by the end of 2023. But the Aspen Center for Environmental Studies has been hosting wolf biologists during its Naturalist Night speaker series for years, well before the 2020 vote. Hallie Zander has more. Last week, they hosted their first wolf talk since the reintroduction of wolves in the state. Taylor Raby is a wildlife technician in Yellowstone National Park. She spends her days tracking and observing radio-collared wolves and led the presentation at Hallam Lake on Thursday. She talked in detail about her work at Yellowstone, demystifying what it's like to live in wolf country. And she finds it important to do so, in part because wolves are given a really bad reputation. And although wolves are liked a lot better now, some people still hate them. They always have and they probably always will. The last Yellowstone wolf was shot and killed in 1926. Wolves were vilified in the media then and they're still vilified in the media now. Little Red Riding Hood, the Three Little Pigs, Beauty and the Beast. And so the media continues to paint wolves in a very negative light. CPW will continue to reintroduce wolves into the state over the next few years until there's a population of roughly 30 to 50. For Aspen Public Radio News, I'm Hallie Zander. This week, the Roaring Fork School District is kicking off a series of community meetings to collect feedback on proposed drug and alcohol policy changes. District officials say there's increasing evidence of cocaine, methamphetamines, heroin, and fentanyl in Roaring Fork Valley High Schools. The district's proposed strategies center around raising awareness over the issue and increasing intervention and enforcement efforts. One of those strategies is increasing access to Narcan, or naloxone, a medication that reverses the symptoms of an opioid overdose. Roaring Fork schools have also established an internal task force to expand resources for student, parent, and staff prevention education. The first meeting will take place tomorrow at Glenwood Springs High School, and the second will be on Thursday at Basalt High School. Meetings will be conducted in Spanish from 6 to 7, and English sessions will begin after that. Janice Collins, an Aspenite who called the West End home for nearly six decades, died last month at the age of 92. According to an obituary submitted to the local papers, Collins was a community leader involved with several Aspen institutions. Kyle Williams has more on her impact. Janice Collins spent more than a decade with the nonprofit that supports the Aspen Music Festival and School, where she led business and development efforts back in the 1970s. The festival's offices were based in New York at the time, with many folks only in Aspen for the summer. Collins lived here, in the home she built with her husband. So when everyone else dispersed? Jan pretty much ran the festival for 10 months out of the year. She was the face 
of the music festival. Fonda Patterson is on the festival's board. She also knew the Collins family as some of the earliest guests at the Patterson's Boomerang Lodge in Aspen. Patterson says Jan Collins was approachable, dependable, disciplined, and curious. She was always inquisitive, a lifelong learner. And if you look at all the things that she accomplished in Aspen and for the greater Aspen community, she was very tenacious. Collins was also involved with improvements in the West End neighborhood and the development of the Braille Trail on Independence Pass. She's survived by four children, eight grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. From the Edless Neeson Arts and Culture Desk, I'm Kaya Williams. January is National Radon Action Month, and the city of Aspen and Pitkin County are distributing free radon test kits. Radon is a cancer-causing gas that results from the natural breakdown of uranium in soil, rocks, and water. It cannot be seen or smelled. It's also the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States. In Colorado, nearly half of homes have high radon levels, and more than 500 lung cancer deaths in the state each year are attributed to radon. Tests are available for pickup through the end of the month during regular business hours in the county's community development office on Main Street. You can request a free test from City Hall all year at City Hall on Rio Grande Place or by emailing airquality at aspen.gov. Many travelers out of the aspen Pickin County Airport yesterday faced schedule changes. A few flights got out in the morning to Denver and Los Angeles, but all other departures were canceled or significantly delayed. Mostly sunny skies today should allow some flights to get in and out, but storms forecasted Wednesday through Friday could make that a brief window. You can check the airport's flight tracker for more information. In statewide news... Congress has until the end of the week to avert a partial government shutdown. And if they don't act, many Coloradans will feel the impact. CPR's Caitlin Kim reports. After Friday, there'll be no government funding for agencies dealing with agriculture and rural development, military construction in the VA, energy and water, and transportation and housing. Before leaving town last week, the Senate started moving on another short-term funding patch to keep the lights on until March. Senate and House leaders have come to agreement on top-line spending numbers, but the details, such as how to divide the funding among agencies, still have to be worked out. In Washington, D.C., I'm Caitlin Kim, CPR News. Many are kicking off the new year by taking the Dry January Challenge. Here's CPR health reporter John Daly. After a holiday season of imbibing, many folks start the new year by abstaining from alcoholic beverages for a month. Dry January began more than a decade ago in the U.K., it's now become of a bit of a global trend. Joseph Schacht is a CU Anschutz clinical psychologist who specializes in alcohol disorder. Alcohol is associated with a lot of negative health outcomes, and increasingly it's apparent that that is true even at relatively low levels of drinking. The Denver Post reports the number of Coloradans killed by alcohol jumped more than 60 percent between 2018 and 2021, before dipping slightly in 2022. I'm John Daly, CPR News. It's getting even cheaper to buy a cheap electric vehicle in Colorado. CPR reports the state currently offers a $5,000 tax credit for all plug-in cars. Now buyers can also be eligible for an additional $2,500 if the car has an official sales price less than $35,000. The policy is meant to help lower-income residents afford EVs, not just higher-income families looking for luxury cars. 
Reports to the anonymous student reporting system Safe to Tell are up significantly this school year. The program received more than 12,000 reports last semester. According to CPR, that's a 40% increase compared to the same time period the previous school year. Most of the reports were related to suicide threats, bullying, and school complaints. December reports included students researching and planning acts of violence. Swift responses from school teams averted potential threats. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call 988. In regional news, the Bureau of Land Management is hoping to enlist the help of more members of the public in its scientific and research efforts. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse has the details. Last month, the BLM released its five-year crowdsourcing and citizen science action plan. Nikki Grant Hoffman is an education specialist with the agency and was the lead author. She says citizen science is... Anytime that, you know, the general public, the, the people are involved in some aspect of a scientific endeavor. Citizen science work already happens at the agency. She cited the example of the McKinnis Canyons National Conservation Area in Colorado, where high school students have helped monitor and eradicate an invasive plant. But one purpose of the plan is to help the agency, quote, instill citizen science as a standard practice across the BLM. The agency oversees some 245 million acres. Just given the, the sheer number of acres that we manage, this kind of science and this kind of participation really amplifies the amount of work that we can get done and the amount of information that we can have to make our management decisions. She says that the spread of smartphones, which can capture quality photos and location data, have been a boon to citizen science efforts. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Murphy Woodhouse. COVID is still a problem across our region, and many cases are from a new strain of the virus. Sampling from wastewater in Idaho's capital confirms the trend. Boise State Public Radio's Sophia Blinkensop reports for the Mountain West News Bureau. A new COVID strain called JN1 makes up 77% of variants found in this wastewater. JN1 does not appear to cause more acute illness than any other COVID variant, but does seem to be spreading rapidly across the country. This will be the second biggest wave we've had since the early time of the pandemic. It's projected that perhaps in about a week, it's going to peak and it's going to be much higher. That's former CEO of St. Luke's Health System, Dr. David Pate, speaking to Idaho Matters. He says that combined with increases in influenza cases, it's worth getting vaccinated if you haven't already. If you're at high risk for developing severe illness from COVID, Dr. Pate says to also consider wearing an N95 mask and limiting your exposure to large gatherings to decrease your chance of contracting either the flu or COVID. He encourages taking a COVID test if you are experiencing symptoms. Sophia Blankensop, Boise State Public Radio News. The Aspen Public Radio Newscast is produced by our news team, which includes Hallie Zander, Kaya Williams, your usual host, Eleanor Bennett, and me, Caroline Yanez. You can listen to the show every weekday morning on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and see you next time.